Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. Well, welcome to another episode of the Business as Mission podcast. I'm Mike Bayer, and I'm here with uh, my new friend, but we have a lot of common friends, Rob who uh, he and his wife live and, and work in Southeast Asia, but they really have a global impact to what they do. They have a, a B4T incubator. That's all I'm gonna say. I'll let him tell some of the story because I'll get it wrong. And the less I say, the better. So Rob, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Great to meet you finally, Mike. It's um, heard your name floating around for some time. So it's great to uh, almost see you face to face. This is the next best thing, right? Yeah. The new world of virtual reality. So, um, so Rob, just really tell us a story. I mean, I, I love what you're doing. I'm not going to try to explain it. I'll let you explain it. But okay. how did you get this is from where you grew up to where you are now yeah. and doing what you're doing? Because this is a great, we were chatting earlier, just getting to know each other. And it's just a great story of, of seeing opportunity and stepping up to meet needs, very real needs in the world of BAM. And that's why I was intrigued. Now I know exactly why Carrie Ann wanted us to get connected. So yeah, so um, it starts very young, uh, and for me that that line is is quite a clear one. Um, I grew up uh, overseas. So I, I'm what they call a third culture kid. And my father was a church planter and seminary teacher, kind of your traditional cross cultural worker. And uh, even by the time I was an early teen, had a sense that there was purpose for my life, and and that purpose was didn't know how that would look, was pretty sure it wouldn't look like what I saw my father doing. And in part, it was because I saw a lot of his frustrations. Um, being in a relatively open country, but still one that was very resistant. And I would see my parents do all sorts of things to draw relationship, to invite relationship, to draw contact. And um, so although he would be the last person to con- to call himself entrepreneurial, their church plants inevitably looked like shop fronts that offered different services to the community they were trying to reach that on the weekends would rearrange the furniture to to facilitate gatherings on spiritual discussions. For me, that's what I grew up with. That's what church looked like and everything that happened from English classes to cooking classes to kids classes to drop in center for after school homework help all of that yeah. was literally in the marketplace as it right on shopping streets so that had a great impact you fast forward then it was almost an inevitability that that would be the kind of expression that was the natural fit for me and so in the early 2000s we my wife uh two kids and i and and one on one child on their way ended up in um in china and we in many ways, we continued the career I had started on the west coast of Canada, which was um, running language schools. Okay, and being who we were in that context, um, and and having a lot, I would I would say we practiced a lot. You know, we were in a very post-Christian Vancouver city. You know, very post-Christian context. Yeah. The correlations were and, and remain very striking. You live with authenticity. You lived your faith in a way that is authentic and invitational. 
And uh, that really prepared us for other sensitive contacts that, that we ended up working in over the years. So as as we worked our way through through that part of the world, we were in four different cities, starting different at times, taking over and expanding businesses that were going. Um, more and more people would be coming and asking, okay, well, how do you do this? How do you maintain your license? How do you, you know, some of the questions like, yeah, some of that, but also some of those, okay, how do I look more business-like? The very practical logistics of the thing. And those, those questions that I'm sure your podcast deals with, you know, you, it's not about putting on um, a mask. It's about being it. And if you're not it, maybe you should look for another approach. And if you are it, um, why aren't you engaged in, in what matters to God the most? So I'm I'm curious, Rob, as you're sharing this, this it, it it sounds like in the beginning, the business was a, a means to an end. It was a strategy, but somewhere through all this, you you've obviously developed a more integrated view of business for transformation, and, and you've really have. It, obviously, you have a business background and a business mind, but somewhere in this, it started. Yeah. It came together in a new way. It, it, it is a, tell us a little bit about that, and, and just yeah. everybody, all of our listeners, you know, are they're around the edges of BAM or they're deeply in BAM, but we all got there different ways. I, I think that's a an astute observation. I think for my generation, I felt like I stood out. I felt like a sore thumb. I neither wanted, felt compelled to go to seminary nor was I pursuing the, the typical career choice that my training would have dictated. And perhaps I got away with being a little lazy uh, in terms of really understanding my, my theology of work, because uh, there weren't many of us in my demographic, in my age. And, and those of us that were around were in countries that were very sensitive. We didn't have the media opportunities and social media opportunities that we have now. So I think that you're certainly right. I do know I would articulate to my wife, I am so glad that we are in a restricted country that lets me do what I love to do and what I feel like I've been designed to do because it's of tactical benefit. But you know, wouldn't it be great if being integral in my faith and, and the, the full expression of my faith, which is to go to, to join Christ to seek and save to do that through my business, to incorporate that into my business, not just because it's what I needed for a visa, not not just because there's an argument for it in a restricted country, but because my faith is that integrated into everything I do. Right now, I feel like I so these were things we would have said when we were younger. Right now, I feel like I can get away with it because it's a means to it. So in terms of that journey, there's a few aha moments, but it was more aha in terms of wow, this is how big it could be. Yeah, This is how open I could be about it. I had some of those in in the early 2000s, but it really did come through a discipleship of, of just that, that slow um, work of the Holy Spirit, of uh, the Word, to challenge me to continue to integrate, and then of, of people in my life that, that would poke and prod and pull and and at times, you know, like it, it comes by people saying things that, that make you shirk a little bit. And you're like, why, why did the way that was phrased bother me? Why was I offended by that? Um, and I didn't realize, sometimes you don't realize till those comments are made that, wow, okay, my, 
God's brought me on a journey since the last time I had this conversation or the last time I heard someone phrase it like that. God called me out of business and into ministry. I used to accept that phrase at face value and celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit to what save us from business. And now obviously that generates more questions than than answers for me right now. Yeah, I, I remember early in my experience of business's mission back in there early 90s. Well, actually before that, I, I left the pastorate. I was a church planner and I left the pastorate for to start a business so I could be among lost people. Yeah. Because this was places where people, they don't come to church to hear the gospel. You know, they don't know the Lord, they don't come. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I did, my seminary buddies all started calling me up saying, have you, have you, lo- have you lost your faith? Have you left, you know, what's going on? They, they couldn't imagine and and I wasn't very good at explaining. I knew what God was calling me to do, but I couldn't explain it very well. And it's been a similar journey of him making it, making me a little more articulate in how to express what he, what I felt he was doing. So, yeah, I I think that that discipleship piece is important. You know, at times we feel a little sheepish. We we feel we need to have this this grand story to tell people when they ask, "How does God working in your life look?" I've just learned to really embrace that the response that he he just keeps asking me to follow, and I keep saying okay. And and where that that leads me it is as much a shaping of of my mind as it is a shaping of how I spend my days. One of my favorite verses is the passage that talks about they are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. I love that, mm-hmm. verse. and that's that's how that's what, how he disciples us, right? We we simply yes. follow them, yeah. and and we learn along the way. So all right, so you 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 and your wife you get over to Southeast Asia, yeah, and you 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 begin to get a vision for this incubator, yeah. You start with that, but I want to kind of fast forward to that. How did that germinate, and what was the original mission of this thing? I think there had been years where God had been planting seeds, and and you know I, maybe you've been there. Certainly, other listeners have been there where. You're confident that it's God, and and yet we get impatient and we're like, okay, if you're giving me this this dream, this vision, this seed, this desire, at times even this this um, angst, uh, like you've uh, problems been highlighted, and it's always like like under that infrared highlight that 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 like a missile target is on, right? Why don't you release me to do something about it? So we we had experienced that tension for some time, so that. There were some years, and and that highlighted thing is people want support. They don't want to go alone. Been many years earlier, what you'd hear from early Bammers was, well, if you want to do BAM, get out from from whatever community you were a part of, sever from whatever sending agency you were with. They don't know how to help you. You know, go on your own, make your own way, and. And we had seen more and more people saying, I want help. I want community. I want accountability. I want supports, but I want people who also get me. I want, I believe there must be a tribe to which I belong somewhere. Let me find them. So that angst had been felt for some time. And at a sense that we want to participate in that, in defining and, and, and creating shape and form to that tribe that would say, let us walk with you. We didn't know how it would look. In fact, we had even um, registered certain businesses so that they'd be ready 
to be vehicles for us to do that in case those opportunities came. It didn't happen. Our story took a, a strange turn, very frustrating, kind of broken. And then we get a call from the past that says, hey, we're seeing our organization, the people who called us say our organization realizes we need to do better to prepare people instead of fixing things after they're running for years and and government tax market pressures are on them and they're ready to to fold then we get involved why don't we get them started on the right foot give them the right sports not ask them to wear someone else's armor let them let the entrepreneurs be who they are and find a way to support them in that we don't know what to call that. We think it's some sort of an incubator. Have you heard of the term? So they they pitched that to my wife and I, and um, we took nearly a year to decide. So this was a long process for us, but it was less about what any reluctance about what we were entering and more it was like we had entered a new chapter. Our kids were starting to graduate high school. My wife had just been given a senior management position in, in healthcare back in Canada, pension, you know, all, all of that um, was just about to be put on the table. So it, it, it was probably a bigger sacrifice than the first time. But the, the problem to solve was how do we journey with people to, to preempt, to prevent problems, whether they be paradigm or planning or the big thing that, that became central to us was probably the biggest gap was a place for people to be challenged to pull their business with their spiritual impact goals to articulate them not alongside of each other as parallels but in an integrated way that says okay now that i've integrated them is this viable many of us who've done bam in the past we would talk to those who cared about the business we talk about the business as for those who cared about our spiritual impact, our ministry, um, we'd answer those questions, but rarely did we put them in one bundle. And that would lead to what many, you still meet many people who say of BAM, great idea, but it burns people out because it forces them to choose one or the other. So that was the particular problem. I call that the dumbbell model, right? You've got your your missiological side, your, your spiritual side, and then you got your business side, but they're barely connected in reality and yeah yeah and, and and that does lead to burnout because it's you're 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 really living two lives instead of one integrate two identities two schedules you are the one that's connecting the two yeah and and sooner or later you're going to snap so we took about a year to build the program from from there and uh and our first launch of our first cohort was in january of 2019 and now we are in the middle of cohort six. And in addition to that, we have launched what we're calling our, what we call our distributed model, which we are working with partners in the global South or global majority world and um, licensing them in our program and working with them to build, not just having them deliver the program, but to use that program to mobilize to unreached peoples. So even building conduits. I love the vision as, it, as it's unfolding it for me. I love that you felt the need, you've, you've experienced the need, and you stepped in. And, and and I respect that you took a year to pray about it versus the typical entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah, come on, let's go. 
Uh, so I love that you did that. And then you took another year to build the program. So tell me about the, right. I, I'm very curious. I, I know, you know, you're, you're based overseas from a yep. American perspective, North American perspective. And you, so you didn't do what a lot of people do is bring them to Vancouver and teach them there. Right. I mean, yep. that, 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 that has a huge gap in it, as you well know. So, so obviously mm-hmm. you're, you're doing it overseas, you're doing it internationally. Do the students come to you? Do they do they travel and live okay. near you with you? Yeah. So our standard program, we call it because now we have two programs. Okay. So the our original program that we're still doing was designed with that in mind. It's an eight month program that we we would refer to it as having uh, a respiratory function. It would breathe in and breathe out. So you would do a one week intensive with us in our city. And our next phase was we're in Southeast Asia was to have another hub and in the Middle East, North Africa region where where cohorts that were closer to that would go. I say originally because COVID. So people, our first two cohorts did come here from wherever they were in the world. If they were not yet in amongst their the community that they were going to be setting up their business. They needed access. One of our requirements is you need to be able to access it while you are incubating. If you're not living in it, you need to be able to get in and out of it. So if you're in San Francisco and your target is, is somewhere in North Africa, part of your cost of doing this is saying, I'm making two or three trips over those eight months. Uh, you have to get to know your customer. You've got to get to understand your market. You have people you need to eat. You've got assumptions to test. You've got licenses to online does not work in most emerging markets. They're off, you know, the websites are often populated with all sorts of info. Most of it isn't how things actually work. Um, So our role is to help identify the questions you need to ask, the questions you need answered, what to do with those answers, build out your financial modeling, build out your spiritual impact modeling. Are you going to be working with the local church? Is that an underground church movement? Is there no church? What are you going to do once you hit some critical mass with your business, with your with your, with your your church planting movement? Are you going disciple making movement? Like we're bringing in all of those pieces, the missiological, the, the growth strategies for both. Um, is your growth strategy, you know, is your whole growth strategy based on I'm discipling my employees? and then sending them out to start their own business. And what does that kind of turnover mean for my business? So we're dealing with all of those questions. We're not here to answer them, but to help elicit. So our, yeah, our, so that takes eight months to get there. Now, when we say eight months, it's at the end of that eight months, we suggest you be launching with the three to 12 months from that point. So there's still work to do. We keep walking with you, but at that point, you're on the ground. Um, you're securing your licenses. You're pulling your team together. You're getting ready for your grand opening, or, or you know whatever your model of launch is. So the change, of course, is COVID. We've invested in developing an online platform that works for us, and and it's delivered online. There was some discussion of going back to in person. We lose some things in not being in person, but what we gain is too great. We've been able to drop our costs, which drops the cost for the participant. 
And perhaps even more importantly, we've made it accessible. So now we have people from developing economies with much more limited resource that are accessing our program and going amongst unreached people groups in their neighboring countries or communities with our support. And and previously, they would have not had any kind of access to anything like this. So we're not going back. We'll be right back after a short break. If your business or ministry would like to sponsor the Business as Mission podcast, simply email info at thirdpathinitiative.com and we'll set up a conversation about your needs and goals. It's fascinating to see. We, in our online education platform, we that started the summer before COVID. You know, I, like you, I've been doing, I've been going to where people were. My teams would go to where people were do the teaching, do the training, and do kind of some of what you're doing, mainly among nationals. And then that summer, summer of 19, the Lord said, I want you to put all this online to make it more accessible. Exactly, you know, yeah. same logic. And I had no, I, I mean, you know, I, I wish I'd known COVID was coming. I'd have gone to the moon or something. The uh, uh, same thing, right? It, COVID, I know we all we all hate it, but God did amazing things in, in the global BAM movement, a global missiological movement during forcing us to find new and better ways to, to achieve the goal. So I love that story as much as we wish it hadn't happened. He obviously has used it to prosper your work. So it is, it's online, but it's, is it, I'm, I'm assuming it's a good bit of live interaction. This is not just video yeah. watch and that sort of thing. We have some videos you watch before we have our first meetings. And then there are some video. The only videos we do besides that would be uh, guest speakers, which are case studies. But we follow those videos up with live meetings with the people that presented. What we're trying to do is when we're live on a call, we don't want that to be passive time. Live on a call, you're not listening to a lecture. You're not listening to a presentation. Live on a call, yeah. you're interacting with the material that you read or, or watched in video form before joining. So we still have those four one-week intensives. They are now held on Zoom, three hours a day for five days in a row. And then and then you go and do your field work. And our online platform it is kind of this, this mashup of Teachable or, or Can- Canva, uh, on Canvas with social media. So picture kind of a, a Teachable meets Facebook. So you can post videos, we can post content, we can create all sorts of discussion groups, topic-based. So all of our alumni stay on this platform and and we bring guest speakers through this, we make announcements through it. Um, people send up, you know, send in pictures of their grand openings, of their first shipment that they're making. So all of it, but that's all closed and, and under, you know, security, so, you know, in terms of so there, so your cohorts, they're they're uh, building relationships yes, with each other. That's right. That's as right. they journey through this together. Yeah. They're, they're still building the community. Yeah. They're not alone. They're finding their tribe. So you're you're achieving the same thing differently. How many how many participants in a typical cohort, Rob? The smallest we've had our MVP, if you will, our smallest viable um is three. Um most um have I think we've only had one that's only three, and we've had as many as eight projects so some projects we had one project that had um three partners participating 
So anywhere from four to ten participants we've had. No, and that's a that you get us. That's a good critical mass right there, right? You have enough people yeah. that you can be very personal. It's very focused, but also you're building relationship and community. So, how does somebody find out about this? Is this? Uh, I know you're not advertising it uh, for nope. obvious reasons. Is this uh, serving a particular? community or is it just is it word of mouth the way yeah. i found you i mean how how did how does this work yeah i mean we have a plan and, and we've been executing the plan i we're a little surprised it's worked <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and because we got security concerns uh, for participants and for those of us that facilitate so we do have a website the website's open but you won't see any of my information on it or, or our other facilitators. So in terms of people who would want to vet us, you know, are, 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 is this crew serious? It's pretty slim pickings in terms of info that we can share, but we, we go heavy on, um, on networking. We, we believe in our, the, the team that we have who networks with us and for mm-hmm. us. So you mentioned Carrie Ann, she, she's a big part of that for us. So when you ask me what's your relationship with Carrie Ann, I, I say she's she's uh, she's part of our team. Yeah. Um and and that's one of her key functions for us. And and there are others. We attend conferences. So I'm starting to get some some engagements, opportunities like this. And we don't need that much. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the size of our cohorts. We don't need that much to be viable. We don't need that much to be we don't need that much to be overwhelmed, to be honest, because yeah. it, it, it's a labor-intensive model. We have up to six facilitators that step in and help with any given cohort. So at, at times, we are more than one-to-one between facilitators and participants. We know oh, it's a service-rich offering that, that we've got. Where our growth, so with some Savvy folk, as we have this conversation, they say, okay, how is it sustainable? Where's your growth? Our growth is where we feel the future of this is and our role is. We will keep doing the standard program that, that I've described. We will keep doing that. It's too valuable for us, the yep. learning we get from doing that. And that will be the ratios that we're talking about. Where our growth is, is when we're working with, with those that are coming from the global majorities. Okay, so tell us about that. That's a different model now. So that's an organization. So we don't need many of these these people to know about us. And to be honest, we've already got a wait list of organizations now that are saying, will you come? We've got, honestly, Mike, we've got more than one organization is who's waiting for us now is saying we've got 30 to 50 people trained cross-culturally with you know, what they believe is, is is enough business to get going, if not already from a business background, and they have their missiology. We just don't have a mechanism to make sure they're properly supported when they go. Yeah. And yeah. to make sure that they've got their plan in place. We need help devising a plan. So this is our next foreseeable season is working with these kind of agencies. So We've done our first pilot project, and that was 14 projects. So now we're moving from four to eight per cohort to this one was 14. And as we're working with these 14 businesses, we are training. We have ratios that we try to hit. 
we are training a group from that context to be coaches uh, on our behalf. So our role changes now. We are not the coaches. We are the deliverers of content and the coaches are locals who are on our team, but living. So in this case, the person was in Zambia. These are Zambians who were saying, God has called us to unreached peoples across Africa. Mm-hmm. What will you do to help get us there? And so we have this list and one of, one of the list part of that list is to you have people that are ready to walk alongside all of those if we train them how to do it. Right. Um, so in January, we go to Costa Rica to start our Spanish pilot. So that one's got a longer runway because you have to translate our whole program as well. Mm-hmm. And then, we, like I said, we've got kind of a backlog of, of agencies from global majority countries, countries that have received the benefit of years of effective missions work that those of us in the BAM and Beat for T movement kind of say, well, why are we doing BAM there? Or why are we sending global workers there? They're saying, God's sending us to UPGs. Will you help us go? Yeah, Um, It is incredibly thrilling for us to be part of it. Extremely humbly. And we are, you know, now, now you talk about contextualization. It's a whole new challenge of contextualization for us because we're trying to make our program something that they own not that we own. I love the progression, Rob, when I think about this, right? From vision to execution, you know, you did it, the discipling, and then now it's moving to a stage I would call equipping where you are equipping others to do this thing. And that's, to me, that's the biblical pattern. And it it requires a lot of humility. I know you're very proud of that. So, um, it's a beautiful model. It just, it's, it's got a, it's got a very God feel about the progression. Uh, of moving to each stage, each phase. I think you you called them earlier. So yeah. So the next big thing is the is really going global, but in this model of equipping and I guess licensing others to to carry the work yeah. on. And so yeah. what 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 happens to Rob and, and company in all of this? I'll bring us in for a landing with that question. We're growing our team. I'm learning a ton about. I mean, I've managed staff before. I, I, you know, not, not huge, but, you know, pushing, you know, 50, this is another thing because this is managing, learning not to manage it's, it's leading and, and asking people to grow vision and, and to take what was some seed and, and I'd say moving into sapling and to offer that to others, to graft in what God's saying to them for their people that they steward. And for the visions God has given them, we're trying to hold that very carefully without throwing caution to the wind. You know, I, I want to hold this in a way that, that God can take it, but not just throw it up for any wind to grab it and 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 lose it in the transfer. So maybe that's a deeper response than that. You know, what's my schedule look like? But that, <laughs> in terms of oh, that in was in terms the- of. E- Growing as I'm someone who's used to being a visionary, and then once it's going, I find a manager and I move on. We are not released to move on from this yet. Wow. So I'm being forced to grow where, frankly, I don't feel like I have that much to draw on to help guide me in terms of my own experience. And I don't have too many people in my life who've done this kind of thing before either, to, to be honest. Yeah. 
Well, it's going to be a, quite a, a season of stretching and growing for sure. I have to say for an entrepreneur, you, you are amazingly methodical. And, and I don't see that very often in entrepreneurs. They're, they're, they've got a vision, but the, the metho- methodology to implement that vision is you know often missing, as you probably see in, in your cohorts. But you have both. I mean, God's given you a vision. He's given you the discipline. And I, even I love the your self-awareness that, you know, I, I start things, I get them running, I get them healthy, and then I hand them over to somebody else. I love that thought process. A lot of people would say it, but you're doing it. And I also, but I love that it's balanced with God isn't releasing me to move on at this time. And there's a, there's a, there's a real solidness, if that's a word I can use. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, um, it's, it's affirming. I, I, I'd love for you to, to be honest, we, my wife and I were, so we just empty nested uh, this year. It would have been great for God to say, okay, at the timing's perfect. You brought it to the stage. It's time for someone else and you can join your family, you know, but it's like we're starting over. We are just so excited for this season and hungry to learn. We've got the people we're bringing around us are, are younger than us and they're, they're challenging and uh, challenge. They're not challenging. They're challenging us. They're, they're yeah. pushing and they're asking great questions. God's really brought some incredible people around us. And then we've got some that have had more experience than us as well to advise and to, and to support us. So, you know, that's all great, but we've, we've got to walk it. And, and I think that's one thing I'd say for anyone who's is wanting to move into BAM or B for T, you know, it, you can take a vision, you can take, even take over something that someone else has started, which interestingly, that's a whole other podcast I'd love for you to do is to start <laughs> talking about succession. Um, cause it, that's a real hot topic these days in, mm-hmm. in, in the BAM space, because we're seeing second and third generation of leaders now coming on, but making it yours without defaulting to what you've always done. Um, yeah. And uh, and say, okay, I'm I'm a follower first. It's back to where we started. Yeah, I'm a follower first. Yeah, and there's incredible satisfaction. I, I can't. I mean, for anyone, anyone, that's where the real joy is. Yeah, is uh, Jesus as our mentor and travel partner does not run out of material. <laughs> that's exactly right. I've I've. Close friend who always says, "We're not doing business for God; we're doing business with God." He's, Absolutely, he's the, yeah. he's the first mover, and we're just responding to to His leading. And so, that's probably a good yeah. place to stop now, Rob. But this will not be the last time we talk. Maybe, maybe not another podcast, but you and I have we'll have more conversation. Yeah. I'm fascinated with what you're doing and how God has led you, and uh, want to learn from you, but also want to help you if you can any way along the way. So. We will ask people to be obviously be praying for you. Yeah, but thank you. Apologies to the to the audience, but most of you uh, know anything about BAM know that sometimes we can't give out personal information, locations, names, serial numbers, all of that. It's uh, for for obvious reasons. But Rob, God bless you, brother. Thanks for thanks for being obedient. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your story with us. I know there's a thousand more things you could share, but any any last word? I always like to give. Give a guest the last word. On the pragmatic side, uh, maybe we can put up the link to our website. Okay. And put make that connection available. But I mean, Mike, it's been a real privilege, first of all, to to do this. Uh, 
I think one thing that I'm just reflecting on as we're having this conversation is the importance in our journey of telling the story. You know, that that's where this conversation started. Every time I tell the story, I'm reminded of what God's done and is mm-hmm. doing. I'm in awe. This is not at all what I thought my life would be. And I often forget that because I get I get caught up in in what I've got to do tomorrow or what I've got to queue up for next week or next year. But taking time to pause to tell the story and realize that it's his story you're telling. Um, so as I know we're entering, yeah. I don't know when when this podcast is going to be made live, but we're entering the Christmas season of all the times to be reminded of, of the importance of telling stories. Maybe that's why this is on my mind, but I, I just encourage any anyone who's out there, tell the story. It's biblical to tell the stories of what he's done. Um, set up those altars. Yeah. Um, acknowledge when things have been overcome. Uh, they won't be wasted. Um, and, and be ready to to embrace those moments as adventures that are going to display God's amazing provision and and then be diligent to tell the story. Yeah, I love that. That's a great that's a great great set of advice for us. So thank you. Rob, thanks so much for being with us. I look forward to getting to know you better and uh, follow what God is doing through you. Yeah. Thank you, Mike, and to you too. We need more of you. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. We invite you to become part of the story by supporting the BAM podcast at patreon.com slash BAM stories. There's a link in the notes with this episode. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or triventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen.